You are listening to the next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Captive State. Baby brother. You gotta pick a side. Hello, Gabriel. I want a lawyer. You and I both know those days are gone. You have a choice to make. Work for me. Or wind up like your father. We don't have much time. Before first contact, we were fighting amongst ourselves. We needed the legislators to show us a better way. They're protecting us from anarchy. Tell our friends down below they got our full operational support. Harmony, peace. It's a lie. They're going to take everything. What do you want me to do? As long as we fight back. We got a chance. Big money, play boy, your time's up. We're facing a full-blown insurgency known as Phoenix. Put your hand up. The network's communicating. They're playing at something big. Made you look. The team goes tonight. You ready? No one gets taken alive. Hello, Gabriel. You have a job to do. I've got a plan. I have faith in you. Light a match. Ignite a wall. I can take the risk. Get back to the way that things used to be. It's like I said, those days are gone. Time's up. Alrighty, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Captive State, and the story is as follows. Residents of a Chicago neighborhood deal with the life under extraterrestrial rule. The film is starring John Goodman, Ashton Sanders, Jonathan Majors, Machine Gun Kelly, Vera Farmiga. It is directed by Rupert Wyatt, written by Erica Beanie, and also by Rupert Wyatt. Joining me for this review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Okay, so Josh, first question, only question. Were you held in a captive state by captive state? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are very long stretches of this movie that are rather tedious to get through. I will admit that. Um, But you know what? I I will say that maybe because I went in with kind of low expectations, the trailers weren't really exciting me that much with this film. I ended up kind of liking it. Not a whole lot, but I did think that There are some elements of this film that, as a science fiction movie, I was sort of interested in. I did find myself kind of being engaged by this world. But I think ultimately one of the issues with this movie is that I couldn't really connect with any of the characters. And I think ultimately that is the biggest failing to the movie, that you never really have a connection with any of the people in it. And because of that, I was always a bit at arm's length with the film and Ultimately, while I do think there are interesting things in it, it didn't really come across as totally successful for me. Yeah, you know what, Josh? I, I feel 
a similar sort of way. I think I'm, yeah, probably a little bit more negative on this than you were, ultimately. I agree that going in with low expectations or no expectations actually helped. And part of that was because Focus Features chose not to screen this film for critics prior beforehand. So we were going in completely blind into this. For all we knew, this was going to be something really fantastic. And the director behind it was Rupert Wyatt, who has given us films like The Escapist and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. The Gambler, um, <laughs> it's got its fans, I guess. I'm not one of them. But those other two films are pretty good, you know? So because of that, I went into this thinking maybe the track record is there to produce a pretty solid film. And I do think that conceptually speaking, what they wanted to do with this movie, how they wanted to tell this story, I do think that on paper, this had a lot of potential. And I think the story that they're trying to tell, it it almost felt like it was a heist film in many ways. Yeah. And it felt different. It felt unique. You know, watching these splinter cell terrorist groups or they're called terrorists, but really they're like rebellious freedom fighters trying to take back control from the, you know, alien rule that has uh, overtaken the planet. It's like, it's like though as if like (laughs) you shot forward into the future many years after arrival and like we did not call off the aliens. Instead, everything just went totally wrong (laughs) and the aliens are now ruling the planet. And I, I was very intrigued by the world. I was very intrigued by it. But Rupert Wyatt keeps things very, very small. This isn't like a big budget studio blockbuster. This is kind of a gritty on the streets, you know, characters passing along information from one person to another, trying to avoid detection. It's tense at times. Things are constantly moving. It's got momentum. Like, this is all really good. So where did it lose me? Well, you you said it before, and I agree with you. This movie has absolutely zero, not next to zero, literally zero characterization. Yeah, you're, you're completely right about that. They, they try to do a little bit with the, um, the Ashton Sanders character. He's the closest that comes to any kind of like backstory that you can get. But even that is done in a very like surface level way. They don't really explore it in any kind of meaningful way. And I think it's a shame because you're right, Matt, that the world being created here, I think, is very intriguing. And and in those specific moments where you do see the kind of resistance group, you know, have these elaborate systems to communicate with each other and going through these this process to um, kind of like uh, execute this kind of plan that they have going. I found all of that really interesting. It doesn't have anything to do with character, but just sort of on a procedural level. I thought all of those elements were a really great way to color the world that we were in. But once you get outside of that, it's all this characterization that just isn't there. And because of that, you really struggle then to really connect with everything else that's going on in the movie. Now, as a native resident of Chicago, I have to ask you, what was your take on the film being primarily set within Chicago? Did you find it interesting that this was more of a Chicago-based film and not so much a global look at this plot line? Not, not really. Um, I'm very appreciative that they used Chicago, but I think that the basic blueprint of this story is looking at a city that is occupied. And while you can draw some similarities to like the political things that are happening in the city, most of that you can find in any kind of um, big 
urban area where the notion of citizens within that community being policed by outsiders, you know, you can find that kind of anywhere around the world and especially in the United States. So while it does, while that can apply to the city of Chicago, and I did find that kind of interesting, it does have a more global reach than just this one location. Yeah, see, I was wondering that myself because I'm not from Chicago. I've only been to Chicago once many, many years ago. I don't really remember much about Chicago, to tell you the truth. And I kept wondering while I was watching this, is there is there a reason that this is based in Chicago that I am missing? Like, is it actually important to the story that it's in Chicago? And... If what you're telling me as someone who lives there, not really, and that this could be applied to any other city, then I don't know why they had to emphasize it. Because, you know, honestly, they could have just had a nameless city. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they really needed to emphasize so much throughout the movie that this was, you know, in Chicago. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think that the story is dependent on it being in this particular location, but I do think you need like an urban area to sell that idea of. This is a community that is trying to work with um, a policing group that is overseeing their activities, but is constantly being at a distance from that community. And that, I think, is something that you can really find in urban areas. And they just happened to pick Chicago. You know, I, I don't know if it really is necessary for them to do it, but as a resident, it was appreciated, at least from my perspective. Sure, sure. Now, performances in this movie for me were a bit of a mixed bag at times. Um, yeah. You know, Ashton Sanders, it's great to see him continuously getting work. You know, he's going to be in Native Son, a film that I saw at Sundance. And, you know, to see him in that and this this year, it's great to see that he's getting some more roles uh, post-Moonlight that we're seeing him in. And um, there's another actor in this movie, too, who plays his brother, Jonathan Majors, who was in another film I saw at Sundance called The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is a phenomenal movie. I do want to see that. And for me, those two were pretty much the highlight of the film for me. And their relationship, I suppose, is the only bright spot in what is otherwise a very, very weak uh, set of characters and like the emotional connection that I felt to anyone in this movie Especially John Goodman, who, I mean, I, I tell you, Josh, I spent 75% of the movie, maybe 80% of the movie, maybe more, I don't know. It was a large chunk, wondering what this guy was loyal to and what the heck was going on with this character throughout the movie. Yeah, and I think that you are kind of supposed to feel that way, you know, because obviously it's John Goodman. You sort of want to always root for him but in the movie he's playing somebody who is not quite a bad guy but he's a bit antagonistic to most of the major characters in the film right i was very confused by that i, I was like wait a minute he cares about ashton sanders character because he was partners with his father but at the same time he's hunting him down why I, and i just i couldn't i, I have to say the screenplay was very clunky at times yeah. in conveying that. And and I, I don't know how much of that is Rupert Wyatt's direction of telling the story versus the screenplay itself. Because while I do agree that finally at a certain point when we do understand the true purpose and nature of that character, it all then does make sense. But that still doesn't make up for the lack of cohesion and understanding that I was feeling throughout the first two thirds of this movie. Yeah. And I would actually even argue that 
when you do find out his true purpose, I don't even think it is that shocking necessarily. I, I think that no. it, the movie kind of lays it out, I think, pretty clearly what is probably going to happen at, at his resolution. Um, you know, honestly, to me, this is one of those movies where I sort of feel like it either needed more time to explore the characters and to give them more characterization and backstory and really flesh them out or stuff needed to be really streamlined and kind of commit to we're just like a procedural characters we're not really going to be interested in we're just interested in like these you know this like rebellious group and this one specific plan that they're going to carry out and it either needed to be like 90 minutes or it needed to be a four-part miniseries and as it is four part miniseries, yeah, yeah. As it is, it feels really underdeveloped for what they want to try to accomplish. You know, it's another decision I would have made too to maybe make this a little bit more effective. I would have taken out the alien creatures altogether. Y- yeah. Like establish that there are alien creatures, but we don't ever need to see them. Yeah, especially since their design is not that interesting either. No, and, and this is a very dark movie, so they're kind of shrouded in darkness half of the time as well, I'm sure, to save on the visual effects budget for mm-hmm. this. But to me, this just would have been a much more effective movie if the premise was more low budget in the sense of we know that there's alien occupation. The story has told us that we don't need to see them. We can like that scene where um, they're doing a debriefing and you just hear them communicating. Yeah. That would have been so much more effective had we never actually seen them and we only heard those sounds. And then it's all left up to our imagination. It would have been so much more menacing to me that way. And I I think that, you know, by focusing then less on that, even though they don't feature that prominently within the movie, focusing more on the human element and the fact that there are humans in place that because of fear are pretty much at the beck and call of the alien race to stop uh, the insurgents because they are fearful that if there's a rebellious attack against the aliens, they're going to wipe out the human planet. I I think all that is so much more riveting than showing the actual aliens themselves. Absolutely. Like the notion of the fact that there's like this alien occupation happening, but we still have a working government going on, like and how a government functions when they are under the threat of this invasion, I think could have been interesting to explore too, but the way that the movie approaches this story is, like you said, going really uh, low budget, very focused in on these kind of basic human characters, but it never builds out beyond them. And I think that is to ultimately the film's detriment, even though there are interesting things within the story, it could have had a lot more to do if it was given more room to explore that. Yeah. Here's an interesting tie. How about the fact that our country is being ruled currently right now by an imbecile and government is still go- functioning? Yeah, trying to. <laughs> trying to. <laughs> uh, I wonder if there is any kind of a tie there. I don't know. Probably not. They probably just wanted to make a cool movie and it just turned out to be whatever. In any event, though, uh, who else did I want to spot in this cast here? Uh, Vera Farmiga, God oh, bless her. She's wasted in yeah, this. I have, to, I have to say that when she came on screen in like the handful of scenes that she's in, I was first wondering, like, okay, why are you here? This seems like it could have been played by anybody. Why are you casting somebody as good as Vera Farmiga to play this role? And when her uh, ultimate purpose in this movie is revealed – 
I kind of felt even worse because it was yep. like, okay, I now see why you cast her. And now I'm even more upset that you didn't utilize her to the best of her ability because we all love Vera Farmiga. She's a wonderful actress. And this movie completely wastes her. And that is a real shame. Let's just get Vera Farmiga back from playing her character in Source Code. Yeah. Let's just get that character into this movie. All right. And let's tell that story. Yeah, that would have been much better. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and you're right. I could totally see why she was cast as a result of something like that. But I, I attribute that to the screenwriting once again, uh, and just creating a very underdeveloped character. And I don't know, maybe I guess people want to work with Rupert Wyatt. Maybe they maybe they just really like the uh, the idea of the script. I, I don't know. You know, maybe they just need work. <laughs> yeah, well, Rupert Wyatt, as you had established, is a good filmmaker. You know, I really like The Escapist. I really like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I admit I have not seen The Gambler, so I can't comment on that one. But, it's okay. Yeah. But I do think that he is really good, especially as like a genre filmmaker, as somebody who can, you know, can bring like real drama to these concepts that are kind of like science fiction or, or, you know, crime or like something that is a little bit more, not just, you know, regular character studies. And that's what's so disappointing here is that for a guy who usually knows how to bring good characters to these types of films, to have that be completely absent is what's really the most frustrating part of it, especially when there are moments when you do get invested, despite there being no character work. I mean, Kiki Lane is in this, for goodness sake. Yeah. You know, from If Beale Street Could Talk. And, uh, like, there was there was a good cast in here. And, well, Machine Gun Kelly excluded. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like to shit over Machine Gun Kelly a little too much sometimes, but uh, poor guy. You know, he has not done really much in his career to convince me that he's worth getting a second look to. So, you know, until then. But I don't know, man. It's just like this was a very, very odd experience for me because on one hand, I felt like the cast was pretty much wasted for the most part. On the other hand, I got to admit, especially as we got towards the third act, even though like the pacing was very jarring because like, I'll, I'll give an example. We're following either John Goodman or Ashton Sanders character throughout the first first third of this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Then we get to the second half of this movie here and Ashton Sanders character is off screen for what feels like an enormous chunk of time. Yeah, I was like wondering like where he disappeared to. I actually forgot his last scene because he was off screen for so long. Yeah, exactly. And we focus on all these other characters. And once again, I don't know anything about these characters other than, OK, he's the one that was just wearing drag. Uh, she's the girl. He's the brother. Like, I, I, this is this is how I'm yeah. like, I don't you know, I don't know anything else, you know, about any of these people, you know. And it just was so bizarre to me uh, because watching everything it was that they were doing. I still felt Rupert Wyatt's skill as a director, you know, in terms of um, the intensity, uh, the momentum and part of that was also aided by the music at times. You know, things just had like a sense of real energy and momentum behind it. And I kept wondering, okay, are they going to get caught? Are they going to get caught? Are they going to get caught? And that part of the movie for me is probably the best sequence of the whole film. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Uh, but outside of that, this film has nothing to offer. Yeah, I think unfortunately it just really feels very underdeveloped and it, did 
come across like there is an interesting idea in here and many of the concepts I do find interesting, but ultimately it just never succeeds in getting you to really care about most of the things that are happening to the characters. And for me, that is a really big detriment to it, even though there are some things I did find myself enjoying, like that procedural element of those characters uh, putting together their plans to execute this goal. I found all of that very interesting. And I wish the movie mm-hmm. could have indulged more in that instead of wallowing around characters that just were rather flat. Yeah. Yeah. Totally true. Uh, it's so funny because, like, I was thinking to myself before we decided to pick this as our podcast review this weekend. This is just one of those weekends in the first, you know, third of the year or first quarter, rather, of the year. Where it's like, okay, it's either this, Five Feet Apart, or Triple Frontier. What's really, really funny to me is I thought this was the movie that we were going to have the most to talk about. And it actually is the movie that, after seeing the, all three of them now, is the one that I have the least to say. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it is what it is. I can, I can <laughs> you know? see that. But, you know, at the same time, I do think that there is something to want to go out to see a movie like this. I mean, apart from it representing my home city... It does also have a black lead, even though he's kind of gone for most of the movie. I still think that's significant. There is something about like science fiction where I appreciate its ability to be very metaphorical about the times that we're living in. And some of that does come across in this film. It's just all in the execution that it kind of fails at. And I think that's the most unfortunate thing about it. Absolutely. Well, um, for final thoughts, is, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to talk about? No, I, I think we pretty much said all that there needs to be said about this film. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's a very, very weird set of circumstances when I have more to say about Five Feet Apart than I do Captive State, a you know uh, procedural thriller sci-fi film versus uh, the latest uh, teen YA romance movie. I... <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of mind boggling. We should have had two podcasts this weekend, I feel like. Well, in any event, here we are. This is it. And next week we get to talk about us. Yeah, should have a lot more to say about that one. (laughs) I feel like I feel like this is like, you know, we had to get through this in order to get to next week. That's like the way I viewed it. (laughs) Pretty much. So uh, with that said, absolutely zero Oscar potential. Not a shot in hell. Uh Uh-uh. It's not happening. Uh, but, you know, I still feel that with the right script Sunday, maybe if he, you know, doesn't go full Hollywood blockbuster, I do feel like Rupert Wyatt could deliver something like really, truly something special. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I really did like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It was on my top 10 the year that it came out. I think, Same. I think that is a really solid example of making like a sci-fi action movie but bringing heart and character to it and i think that he is capable of doing that it's just unfortunately this wasn't an example of it now yeah i agree oh final thought actually before we get out of here name any time that kevin dunn has played a role that was not an authority figure yeah, that just seems to be his his lot in life. He does it so well, though. <laughs> I, I've noticed this like time and time and time again. Every time he pops up in a movie, I'm like, he's definitely playing the, the corrupt politician or the bureaucratic cop or the principal or just some sort of an authority figure. The, the dad in Small Soldiers. 
<laughs> like, I mean, the dad. The dad in Transformers. Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So if anybody's listening right now, if you could point out to me a time that Kevin Dunn has ever played a role that was not an authority figure of some sort, please let me know. Because I tell you, every time he pops up, I'm just like... Oh, I already know who you are just by the fact that you're on screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in this movie, he's the corrupt politician that's, you know, bending over for the aliens. It suits him so. well. <sighs> Anyways. Okay, Josh, so uh, grades then. Uh, that's, where we're, that's where we're at. Uh, what grade would you give Captive State? I think I would ultimately land on like a 5 out of 10. It's a very mixed bag for me. There's some stuff I did enjoy. But ultimately, there's too many negatives, I think, for me to really go on the side of saying I can recommend it. So a five out of ten, kind of right down the middle is where I'm at. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit more harsh in this instance. Uh, I'm going to go for three out of ten here. I really did not enjoy my experience watching this because the moments that I did enjoy, I mean, that's where the three, the three comes from. And I felt like that was not 50-50 for me. I felt like it was such a small chunk of the movie that I can't give it a full recommendation. So I can't even meet it halfway, unfortunately, like you can there. I, You know, it's interesting because I just saw another movie um, recently where there was another lack of character development. And I can't, like, emphasize enough just how important I feel like that yeah, is. Yeah, because you could strip everything else away, but... You kind of need character at the very minimum to be engaging. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not allowed to reveal what that movie is, but it's, I just saw it this evening, and it had all these characters, but not a single one that I was able to latch on to. Mm. And that was like, it just ruined the whole experience, just like this movie did for me. And, you know, there's, there's a good cast in here somewhere. You know, like I said, minus Machine Gun Kelly, who should, <laughs> I don't know, like... Is it really hard for him to use his name Colson Baker? I don't I don't know. But anyway. I'm starting to sound like an old man, aren't I? <laughs> uh either way, Captive State did not hold me in a captive state. I give it a three out of ten ultimately. Josh, with that said, we got through it this week. We have us coming up next week. Where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this review of Captive State here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Write us a comment. Leave us five stars. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you think we're doing right. If you have a comment for something negative, maybe just drop that in my DM somewhere and not leave us a negative review on iTunes. That would be very, very helpful. And also, if you're feeling generous, you can head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Next week, we will be giving you guys a review of Scream, voted on by the Next Best Picture community to get us ready for the movie Us, a movie that Jordan Peele has said was an influence on his movie. So... We're very much looking forward to that. Thank you so much for listening once again, as always, and we shall see you all next time.